This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. friends, and welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. We have a lot to cover today. I want to talk about a perspective shift I had this morning thanks to a quote I read. I'm going to tell you about my favorite money-saving website to get Kroger deals, and I'll tell you about a book I'm reading and confess a secret about books I don't think I've ever shared publicly before. Plus, I'm going to be interviewing Katie Ganshirt, the author of some of my favorite fiction books, and I'm taking a risk in tackling a hot-button topic with her, so you'll want to tune into that. And then I'll close out the show like I always do by answering a question on how I balance it all and still find time to relax. Like I said, we've got a lot to cover today, and it kind of feels like my day has felt as a whole. I woke up knowing I'd have a really full day today. Notice I didn't use the word busy. I didn't say I was going to have a busy day. I said I had a really full day. I've tried to take the word busy out of my vocabulary because I feel like busy kind of gives a victim mentality of like, well, it's just what I have to do. But full is more about what I get to do. And I read a quote on Instagram this morning that really brought that home to me and it challenged me because I was kind of having this, oh, I had a lot to do today when I woke up and I read this quote and it helped change my perspective. So I want to read it to you. This was from the Merry Maker Sisters on Instagram. They had shared this. It says, begin your day with an I get to mentality instead of a I have to thought process. For instance, I get to go to work. I get to have a busy day, whatever it may be. We often dress our opportunities as stress when they are in fact 
blessings. This hit me in a profound way because as I was looking at my whole day and going, there's a lot to do. I was dressing my opportunities that I have of being able to record podcasts, of writing blog posts, of being able to spend time with my family and run errands and be with my kids and be with my husband and answer emails and all the other things, Instagram and social media and things that I needed to do today. There are things that I get to do. I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to do these things. So many people would love to have the opportunities that I have. And so I don't want to dress my opportunities as stress, but remember what a blessing it is. If you're struggling with feeling like you have too much on your plate, but you also want to save money, my tip for the What's Saving My Life segment is one you don't want to miss. In case you're new around here, the What's Saving My Life segment is that part of the show where I tell you about a productivity tip or life hack, an app, or an idea I'm implementing, something that I've changed in my life that has made a big difference. So what's saving my life this week? Well, it is the website called KrogerCrazy.com, and crazy is spelled with a K, so KrogerCrazy, K-R-A-Z-Y.com, and of course, we'll link to it in the show notes. This site is an amazing resource if you have a Kroger store. Now, some of you are saying, well, I don't have a Kroger store. Well, maybe you have a Kroger affiliate store because Kroger affiliate stores also have the same or very similar deals as what Kroger has. So let me give you the list of all the stores that are Kroger affiliates, and you can check to see if you have these in your area. Baker's, City Market, Dillon's, Food for Less, Foods Co., Fred Meyer, Fry's, Gerby's, I think that's how you pronounce it, Harris Teeter, King Supers, JC Food Store, Owens Market, Payless Supermarkets, QFC, Ralph's, and Smith's Food and Drug. So there are... Kroger and Kroger affiliate stores located all across the U.S. Not in every city, not in every state, but in many cities and in many states. So just because you don't have a Kroger store, a store that's named Kroger, you might have a Kroger affiliate store. So I encourage you to go to KrogerCrazy.com to check the map to see if there's a Kroger store in your area or a Kroger affiliate store. This site has all the ads with the coupon matchups every single week. They tell you what all the best deals are going to be. They tell you what coupons you need to load to your card. They tell you what coupons coupons you need to print. They do all the work for you. The thing I especially love about Kroger is that they have digital coupons. So on their site, there are literally hundreds of digital coupons available. And many of them, you can pair them with a sale at the store to get a really great deal. Just last week, I got two tubes of toothpaste completely free and a few other things for five cents each by pairing the digital coupons with the sale at the store. So you don't even have to mess with clipping coupons. KrogerCrazy.com will tell you exactly what you need to buy at the store, exactly what coupons to download, and how you're going to save money at Kroger. And no, they did not pay me to say any of this. It's just a site that I use all the time. I mean, literally, I oftentimes go there three times a day just to see what the latest deals are. And I always try to go there on my phone before I go into a Kroger store just to see if there's any new deal that has popped up before the last time that I checked. This week, 
as I talk about a book that I'm reading, it's actually a book about reading. It's called I'd Rather Be Reading by Ann Bogle. She sent me this book because I'm actually going to be having her on the podcast soon, but I would have wanted to read it anyway because I love Ann and I love her book recommendations, and I just love that she's a fellow reader. If you are a reader or a lover of books, you will enjoy this book. I especially love the section where she talks about how we need to stop apologizing for for not liking a certain book or a certain genre of books or not wanting to read a certain book or a certain genre of books. And I told you I had a book confession for you. So here goes. You guys, I have never actually read any book by Jane Austen ever. I know I am an avid reader. I have read thousands of books in my lifetime and I have never read any Jane Austen novel. I've always felt like that was some sort of travesty and I never wanted to admit it because I was like, oh, does that make me not actually a real reader if I haven't read any of those books? But I've tried them and I'm just like, "Ah, I just don't enjoy them. So I like to read books that I enjoy. And her book, I'd Rather Be Reading, really encouraged me to think it's okay. It's okay to choose books and to read books that you really enjoy. And it's okay if you don't enjoy certain books that you feel like everyone else does. That does not make you a fraud as a reader. So if you're a reader, if you love reading, if you want to be inspired with other book ideas, if you just find people who are readers fascinating, I think you will love I'd Rather Be Reading by Ann Bogle. Speaking of books, I'm thrilled to be interviewing Katie Ganshert on today's show. She is the author of a number of books I have read and loved, including A Broken Kind of Beautiful, Life After, No One Ever Asked, and The Art of Losing Yourself. I was actually first introduced to Katie through my friend, Lisa Jo Baker. She gave me a list of books that I should read, and she said, you have to read this book called The Art of Losing Yourself. I'd never heard of it before, but Lisa Jo hasn't steered me wrong, so I picked up the book, and she was so right. I fell in love with it. And this book actually ended up making it to my top 10 books I read in 2015. And then it also was one that I included on my list of 15 books you should read this summer, a post that I shared just a few months ago. So my blog readers know that I am a big fan of your work, Katie, and I am so thrilled to have you on today. Oh, well, I am just honored to be here. And thank you, Lisa Jo Baker. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that I really love about your books is how raw and real your characters are. I feel like it's not this Hallmark sort of movie where it just feels good the whole time. It's real. It's real life. And I think sometimes there's a tendency in the Christian world to sugarcoat things and kind of tie them up with a bow. Yet, that's not really how it works in the real world. And so I'd love to hear from you. What has really inspired you to write with such rawness and honesty? Well, I think a big part of it is, is just how God's wired me, you know, like my own personal preferences. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm personally very drawn to stories that are raw and honest and, and, and just, so I think, you know, that that's a big part of it, but, but also I am intentional about writing stories that feel real and stories that explore and navigate the hard. I saw, so I saw this quote this morning on Instagram, and I think it's by Ann Voskamp. It just said that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. Mm. Oh my goodness. That is so good. 
Isn't it so good? And so here's the thing is like a book is a super safe place, right? And so if I can show characters who are flawed and who are struggling, because we are all flawed and all of us Mm. struggle, at least, at least as far as I know. (laughs) And then when I, what I found is that when I share that with readers, it kind of gives them the sense of like, wow, I'm not alone. Like I'm not the only one. Mm. And then I think when we have that feeling, it gives us courage to share our own stories and bring our own struggles out into the light instead of just keeping them in the dark where, you know, shame kind of has a heyday. So that's really what, what inspires me. We were just having a conversation with someone recently and we were talking about pornography actually, and how Mm. they were saying that they were so shocked to kind of discover that this is so prevalent in the church because they'd lived in kind of a really sheltered culture. And, and we were saying how when people don't talk about it, you just think that it's not happening. And, and, you know, when you were talking about how the whole, you know, shame that if we just keep it hidden, you never know that you're not the only one who's struggling with all of these things. And so that's just what are, what I really love with your book. It, the books don't feel like it's just this, you know, pretty tied up with a bow. They, they make you feel like I, I, yeah, I get this. I I've been Mm -hmm. there. I felt that, or it gives you compassion for someone else who's going through something and you can, it helps you understand what it feels like to walk in their shoes and what they're going through. So you've written a lot of books. That was the thing I was online (laughs) and I thought, wow. Okay. So when did you start writing? When was your first book published? 2012, my first book came out and you've written how many since then? I always get this confused. I think no one ever asked came out and it was my 10th. That or is, nine. Yeah. That is crazy. So you're writing funny? more than one book a year. Well, okay. Here's what's funny is to hear people say like, oh, you've written a lot. Well, last year I didn't write at all, mm-hmm. which, well, I mean, I didn't write anything new. So okay. I was working on edits for no one ever asked. Okay, in but the wait, wait, I have to hold, I have to stop you. So yeah. you didn't write at all. Surely you were writing somewhere. Like you were writing blog posts or social media mm-hmm. posts or something, or were you literally not writing? Well, there's always like online and okay. stuff like that. And I think just, so yeah, I was writing maybe, but blog posts, that kind of stuff. But no, I, like as far as fiction, I wasn't writing. And I, that was a very intentional move on my part. It was last year was my daughter's final year at home mm-hmm. before she would go to kindergarten. And she's got, you know, some, she's got some special needs that are, that kind of can take a lot of energy and attention. And I just wanted to be fully present for her. And I know what I'm like when I have a deadline and I also have all these other stuff going on. And I just didn't want to be the stressed out mom and everything. So I didn't write last year. And I learned that I'm a very anxious rester. Like, <laughs> like I didn't, I just couldn't escape this feeling of I should be writing. So it's funny to hear you say that you feel like I, I write a lot because I was like, I wasn't writing at all. But the good thing from last year is I got this onslaught of ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, and I kept writing them down in the note app, like the note app in my phone. Yes. So I have this mm-hmm. like really long running note app. And, um, I think I have enough ideas to basically last forever. So, so that's a good thing. So I have to ask you took the whole year off. Did you look back and say that was a good move or how do you feel about taking a year off? Yeah, I, I do. I feel like at the time I wasn't great at it, but I, now that it's like, I look back on it, I'm very glad that I wasn't again, like having to do a bunch of work. I think I needed it. I think that's why I got so many ideas and I just Mm kind of got refueled. And now I'm just super excited because my kids are back in school and I have time now to actually write again. So I think it's helped me 
build up this anticipation of of writing again. Yeah. Well, I think that taking time off, it can really do that. I always tell people with blogging, if they are starting to feel super burnt out, I said, just take a day off or at least an afternoon off, or maybe you need a yeah. week off or a month off because it's amazing. Or a year. <laughs> or a year. That's right. Um, because it's amazing what they will do. So I'm assuming you have a new book that's coming out sometime like 2019 or something. When, when can I look well, forward to it? <laughs> well, what's crazy is, is that I've very much feel like I need to write the story without signing a contract right now. So I don't actually have a release date. I hope that's okay, but I am writing and hopefully when I'm done, I'll have an idea of where, where I want to go with it. And then, so no, I don't have like this impending release date or anything like that, but I am writing. Is that the first time that you have written a book without having a signed contract for the book? (laughs) No, what's crazy is the ver- the first three books I wrote, I wrote those without a contract. I was just a writer who really wanted to be published. So I was writing these stories. I had an agent, but I didn't have a book deal yet. And so actually the very first book I wrote that was contracted, but not written was The Art of Losing Yourself. And that wow, was that okay. was weird. That was yeah. weird to me. So yeah. was it hard to then have the the deadlines and all this stuff with the contract? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it was so weird. It's like you get this money, they pay you this money, and then they're like, here's your book idea. And now all of a sudden I was like, oh my goodness, I really have to write this thing. Like, yes. <laughs> so yeah, it was a little bit of a mental shift for sure. So how, as a writer, I mean, obviously taking a year off will help you stay inspired, but for other people yeah. who maybe they, they want to be a writer, they don't have the luxury of taking a year off or they're mm-hmm. trying to write something. What are your tips for staying inspired as a writer? So first of all, I think inspiration is kind of everywhere. You know, I get it all over the place, but I also think, especially if you haven't done the act of writing yet, but you want to be a writer, let's say, I think that there is this assumption out there that writers feel inspired mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about this a lot with my, my good writing friends. In fact, one of my good friends, Becky Wade, you should read her books. She shared this quote with me and it's by Jillian Flynn. And it's, and she said, I, I never wait for inspiration to strike. That would be a long, sad wait. Successful writing is one part inspiration and two parts sheer stubbornness. <laughs> That's so good. That is so good. Yes. It is so good because you just, you have a lot of days I don't feel inspired and I still have to sit down and put my you know hands on the keys and just start writing. And so that's kind of the reality, the unglamorous reality a lot of the time. Yes. And so do you set a word count for every day, you know, like a word count goal, or do you say, I'm just going to write for this amount of time or, or how do you decide? Yeah. When I, it just depends what stage I'm in. So like rough draft writing, I definitely have a word count goal. Like I want to write this many words per day because I need to figure out when am I going to finish this thing? Right. Mm -hmm. And then usually when I get past the rough draft, I have like a scene goal. Like I'm going to revise and edit this many scenes each day. Okay. And the the hardest stage is, but it's like the most fun. And it's also the hardest is the brainstorming stage because Mm -hmm. you can't really, you can't quantify that, but it's fun, but you also don't feel the most productive because you're like, I just thought all day. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess my thinking is done. I can shut my computer and go about life, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a hot button question because I read your book. No one ever asked. I really loved it. And I've been, I don't know that loved it is the right word. I don't know the word. I don't know the word for it. It resonated. It touched me deeply. And I think it's a really important book that people need to read. So I want to talk to you about that. 
in that book, you tackle some really hot button kind of controversial issues regarding race. And mm-hmm. I really appreciated how you approached it in a way that would make people like me and anyone hopefully think and dig deep into their own beliefs and our biases. And I think it's a really important conversation to be having in this day and age. But I honestly have found that as a white woman, I struggle to know what I can do to contribute to the conversation and make a difference. And so I would just really love to hear from you because I know this is a topic that you're passionate about and you're also a white woman. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and what we can do to make a difference, but doing it with grace and not ostracizing others. Yeah, I love I love that question. And, you know, it's something that's very personal to me, not not just because I wrote a book no one ever asked, but we adopted a little girl from the Congo. So we're a transracial family. I have a black daughter. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the catalyst for my own personal journey to get like this better sense of awareness when it comes to racism and racial injustice and things like that. And, and like you said, I think a byproduct of being white in this country is that the color of our skin does not impact our daily life. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. it's not something we actually have to think much about at all, if at all. And so I think with that said, one of the biggest things we can do as white women, and this is going to sound simple, is is to listen. Mm-hmm. And I know it doesn't sound super proactive or anything, but truly, I, I think this is where it all starts. And it starts by intentionally tuning into Black voices. Mm-hmm. And what's so great about this day and age we live in is we don't have to be physically surrounded by people of color to hear what people are saying. Yes. All we have to do is like follow people on Twitter or mm. on Facebook or listen to podcasts. There are so many amazing podcasts out there. One that I highly recommend is The Witness by Jamar Tisby and Tyler Burns. Mm-hmm. Then there's all kinds of books out there. So many amazing books out there. Like I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown is a new one. Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? Just Mercy. I'm sure you heard of that one mm. by Brian Stevenson. I mean, There are so many amazing books out there by Black authors who are sharing their truth and their experiences. And I think we can learn so much by just listening and listening with a really humble heart, like not getting defensive, not feeling like we need to, you know, police or critique what's being said or how something's being said, and then kind of being willing to sit in that uncomfortable space. You know, because it's kind of like, well, dang, I'm white. Like, am I doing these things or I'm not? Am I right? So I think it's really natural to want to say, but it's not me. I'm not doing that. But I think that what we need to know about that statement is it's not super helpful, Mm -hmm. you know? And so just listening and learning and then as much as possible, finding ways to talk to our white friends about the stuff we're we're learning. Mm -hmm. And if you find, find a soft heart, then share those same resources with them. And know that you're going to make mistakes and missteps and it's always awkward and embarrassing, but don't let that, you know, just own up to it, say you're sorry and move along. And, and probably the last thing too, is if you're really wanting to make a difference, then I think the best place to do that is your local community is just Mm -hmm. locally and understanding how your community works. The history, the racial history in your community will be super enlightening, I think, to see how things are set up now in your, in your town or whatever. And then just figuring out like, okay, how could I get plugged in? How could I get involved? That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing and also just for writing a book on this topic. And I think because I think so many people, they won't read a nonfiction book, but they will pick up a fiction book and how through the power of story, you can really make an impact. And so I would just highly recommend for people who you want to kind of dip your toe in the water of this topic and you don't really know where to start. I think that Katie's book, No One Ever Asks, is a really great place to start. 
Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. And we're going to kind of this, there's not a really good segue from that, but I want to close out this interview by asking you two questions that I like to ask all of my guests. And so number one, um, what are you reading right now? Okay. So I'm reading two books right now. I'm reading The Opposite of Hate by Sally Cohn. Mm -hmm. It's a book I'm reading for a book club that I'm part of. And then I just started reading The Handmaiden's Tale. Yes. I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. I just know that I'm the story I'm writing now is young adult. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of get my mind frame in that space. And so I started it and I'm, I don't know. We'll see if I keep going. Do you find that you're really critical of fiction because of being a fiction writer? I think every writer goes through that where they like, because they read all the craft books and they know all the, they they think they know all the things and then they read and they become a hypercritical reader for a while. Mm -hmm. But thankfully I feel like I've kind of passed out of that and I can kind of turn off my editor and editor voice and just kind of read and stuff. So that's good. Cause yeah, that would be hard if you're psychoanalyzing every little part of the book. (laughs) And is this, so this, will this be your first YA book to, to write? No, actually I have a trilogy out under K.E. Ganshert. So, you know, it's super, super secretive uh, <laughs> pseudonym there, but <laughs> I just wanted to differentiate because, yes. because it's, there's such different genres, mm-hmm. right? So K, K.E. is just my initials, Katie Elizabeth, mm-hmm. K, K.E. Ganshert. And it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a, like a supernatural YA trilogy. It was so fun to write. So fun. That is super cool. I'll have to check yeah. that out. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, what is saving your life right now? This could be a productivity tip, a life hack, an app, an idea you're implementing, anything that you've changed in your life or something that's made a big difference to make your life better, easier, more enjoyable. Oh, I, in my fantasy world, I wish a Roomba was saving my <laughs> life right now. I want a Roomba so bad. Okay. But I don't have one. So am I allowed to say my kids being back in school full time? Yes, you can totally <laughs> say that. <laughs> because this is the first year, Salima, my youngest, she's in kindergarten now. And so it's just, uh, I can't tell you. I'm definitely not the mom who is crying because her youngest has gone to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's doing a happy dance at the house because now I have like seven hours a day to work. And I really yeah. like my work. I like my work. So, yes, I I totally mm-hmm. hear you. And it's also then being like uh, for me working from home. It's the just knowing the schedule, and it's not yes. the constant interruption. Or a child needs to be taken here. A child needs to be taken there. They need this or that. You know. So when they're back in school, I just know the routine, and it's so amazing. amazing. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh well, thank you so much for joining us today, Katie. I really appreciate it, and I'm so excited to get to share you with my audience and hope that they will check out your books because I think that they are fantastic and I can't wait to hear what they think of them as well. Well, thank you so much for having me and just all your support. It means a lot. You are so welcome. I started the show by talking about changing your perspective when it comes to how much is on your to-do list. And I want to close out the show with a question that was submitted on the topic of balance. Today's question for a Q&A segment comes from Brandy. She says, one thing I'm struggling with is balancing my schedule. I homeschool three kids, volunteer with a local farm, run a homeschool co-op, and work part-time at the local school district as a sub. Knowing your busy schedule, how do you have time to balance everything and still find time to relax? Brandy, I just want to encourage you because first off, there's no such thing as perfect balance. 
I studied tightrope walking, not because, let's be real clear, I wanted to become a tightrope walker. No, I have way too much fear of heights to ever do that, but because I find it really fascinating. And so I read some books about tightrope walking and As I understood it, when you are a tightrope walker, you are never actually standing still. You're constantly making little tweaks in how you stand to adjust yourself so that you stay balanced on the tightrope. Think about this in our life. The only way to actually have balance is to constantly be making tiny tweaks or maybe some major tweaks so that you don't fall off the deep end. So when we think of balance, I think a lot of times we get in our head that it's all our ducks are all lined up in a perfect row and everything's organized and we have everything figured out and we are spending the exact amount of time in every area of our life. But that's just not reality. And I wasted so many years of my life feeling like I had to fit into a mold that I had created of what I thought the perfect wife, mom, and homemaker was supposed to be. And I carried around a lot of stress and angst trying to live up to that ideal that I had created. I would beat myself up multiple times per week when I had failed yet again until I finally started realizing that I was trying to be someone I was never created to be. None of us can do it all. Not anyone. No one. None of us have cracked the code on a perfectly balanced life. You have to remember that some people have more energy than others. Some have higher capacity. Some people are naturally wired toward being more organized and productive, but no one does it all. One thing that has helped me in this is I have just told myself, you know, I can't do it all. So what can I do? I've decided that I can only do two things well per day. And this decision has relieved so much pressure off of me. Now, right now you might be saying, wait, hold up. You only do two things well per day. Let me explain. Instead of feeling like I need to make sure I am intentional about all of my priorities in my life, which for me, I have six priority areas, my health and well-being, my marriage, my kids, my business, my friendships, and my home. I can't do all of those really amazingly every single day because there's just not enough time. I only have 24 hours just like you only have 24 hours. So I have decided to just pick two of my priority areas every day to focus on and make my priority for that day. And then the next day, I choose two different ones. So over the course of a week, this means I've invested intentional time in each area at least for the most part, two of the days. This for me has been really doable without being overwhelming. For instance, just to give you a little peek into this week of my life, on Tuesday, I tackled some house and life projects that really needed to get done. And I also put in a long work day. On Wednesday, I was unplugged. I really focused on soul care and my marriage, and I went on a date with Jesse. Today is Thursday and I'm putting in a long work day and also planning some fun things to do with my kids after dinner tonight. On Friday, I'm putting in another big work day and then we're hanging out with friends all evening. Saturday, I'm taking the entire day off and we're doing fun things as a family and hanging out with friends. So you see, this is just kind of how it works out in my life. And and I didn't pick a week that it would be this perfect 
you know, indication of how this works. Every week is a little bit different, but I try to make sure that I focus a big chunk of time, at least one day each week, preferably two days each week on each of my priority areas. And I try to focus on no more than two priorities per day, because like I said, I can only do two things well per day. By intentionally deciding this, it allows me to give undivided attention to those specific areas without feeling stretched too thin or carrying around guilt that I'm slacking in other important areas. And I've also noticed that I'm a lot happier, healthier, well-rounded, and calm. If you have a question on any topic you'd love for me to answer on a future episode, email it to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 